We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Veterans Minimum is sponsored by Blue Chew. Legends, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get those extra confident strokes in the bedroom. Listen up, BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Levitra, and Cialis, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. BlueChew wants to help you guys have better sex, and I want you guys to have better strokes. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And listeners of Veterans Minimum, try BlueChew for free. When you use the promo code VM at checkout, just pay $5 for shipping. BlueChew.com, promo code VM to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for being a sponsor of the podcast. God, these ads are good. Hit the theme music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now this the black sheep sticking it to him. I need a crib like I'm Gatsby. I need it in hand. Just understand my pockets that deep. With nothing to prove, I ain't got nothing to do. And it can't compete, and I got nothing to lose. You see, they told me I'm the one that's gonna benefit. Never been a threat. Dude, you know, I was just smiling and I was pointing at our lovely guest over here. My guy, Dave Ross, is in the building. He is. He's in the building. But why the point? The point, Dave, that was when I hit the subathon. That was it. And I jumped and in the pool. And then you jumped in the pool. And I made that part of the intro. It's fantastic because you do it fully clothed. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't, if you, you know, strip down or whatever, and just, doesn't have the same appeal. Does not. Because like, bam, I hit that subathon. I'm in the pool. We're celebrating at my, my buddy Kyle's house. It's all the guys that I do jujitsu with. And my favorite submission is the Dars. Oh, yeah. So Kevin Holland was the last leg at the pay-per-view against Kiesa. And right before that fight, as a joke, I'm like, yo, he's going to win by Dars. But Kiesa has been submitted four times in his career by the Dars. Kevin Holland is known for that also. Mm -hmm. And Kiesa earlier that week said, yo, I got to watch out because my kryptonite is the Dars. So as a joke, I'm on the couch with all the guys. And I'm like, yo, if he wins by Dars... I'm jumping in the pool. <laughs> My buddy Shane goes, dude, you're going to hit for $1,800. Jump in the pool anyway. I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> so then when he locks in the darts, takes it to the ground and he submits, we're all just jumping up and down. My friend uh, 
Lauren, like Kyle's wife, is like, oh my God, I wish I had that on video. That was so adorable. I go, Kyle, because we're at his house. I'm like, dude, do you have shorts, shorts and a t-shirt? Yeah. That's it. I just go right into the pool. <laughs> but that's like, the backstory. And I remember that so well because when Kiesa said that leading up to the fight, you go, you never speak it into existence. Yeah. Right. And he literally said, yeah, I got to watch out for this. Bam. And that's when I had you on my show on yep. First Strike. And I'm like, dude is like locked into the subs and you get, you're always going to get plus money. And then what'd you have that day? How many did you have for that? Four? Four. Holy. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's lottery ticket stuff right there. Yeah, man. And and Holland, I think, was the longest shot, too. He, yeah. was, he was like plus 500, I think he was on that Ooh. ticket. Wow. I rarely see that on your subathon tickets. You, occasionally, you'll throw five to one, six to one in there. Yeah. But usually, you're you're finding people that are two to one. Yeah. So that's wild, dude. Fun fact, subathon hasn't hit since then. Well, I, but wait, are you playing those single, too, so that you yeah, can still yeah, make yeah. some profit, yeah. right? So it's not just all going to come down to that parlay. And I'm glad that you bring that up because I talk about that all the time. Yeah. And I know you've, you've said this in the past, too, how, especially nowadays, we love these parlays, right? And the subathon has kind of picked up its own momentum, and I'll get tweets. And thanks to you and your platform, too, a lot love of people it. are like, dude, we need the subathons. But I tell everybody, you should bet these straight up, three to one, four to one, you know, plus 220. If and it's always a three leg, is yeah. always like what it is, which was wild because that one was four. It's just I just loved it so much, and yeah, you bet them individually, dude. And if you hit Holland and the other ones don't, you still turn a profit. Right, you hit one of those four. Right. More than likely, you're gonna have right. a profitable card anyway. And yeah. I always look at it too. We've talked about this many times. Like these are actionable plays. They're not just oh, I'm looking at six to one, so I'm gonna take the long right. shot at six to one. It's like well, does this like you laid it out perfectly with Holland against Kiesa. You got one guy's kryptonite against another guy who, if he gets down to the ground, it's absolutely what he's going to look to do. That is a, at five to one, forget about being the last leg of a parlay. That's a good, solid play on its own. Mm -hmm. So I think we always try to educate in the space. Find, I don't care what the number is. Can you actually see a pathway for your result in manner of victory to actually happen? If so, then you have to look at the numbers and make sure they make sense. And oftentimes the numbers tell you. Like, I mean, I'm not even that big into looking at MMA stats, but usually it's pretty indicative when it's a three to one. You're like, oh, he's probably had a, a history right. of submitting people. So that's the one thing I've picked up from you. But it's, it's to me, it's the same thing as uh, the first touchdown score. It's yeah. like there are legitimate numbers that can provide me the, the outcome of this person scoring first. So, yeah, I like those, dude. Yeah, they're fun, man. And it's 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 my shit, dude. I love the <laughs> I love the props. And recently I started, I had a conversation with Jeremiah, who you you, you were talking to before we started recording. He's like, dude, I because I'll send him my picks. Yeah. But it's always by submission, by finish. And then he told me and another buddy of mine, and someone in the Discord too, was like, dude, do you ever bet these just straight up? Like you're you're picking all the out, you know, 10 of 13 fights correctly. And it's not all favorites. I'm like, nah, I don't do that often. I've started doing that more and it's lessened, Dave, a little bit of the hits that my bankroll take. Yeah, it does. And again, I try to find plus money anywhere I can. Right. right. I think that's always the big trap is if you, especially a big favorite. And by the way, it's been underdog haven right now on main events and UFC cards. I think they, the last five dogs, yeah. including this past weekend with Edson Barbosa beating Sadiq Yusuf. I mean, underdogs are cashing at a ridiculous rate right now on the main events. Again, don't just follow the trends. Trends are your friend. They, that's not something you go, oh, I just got to keep playing the dog. But right now, if you lay two, three, four dollars in a favorite and that doesn't get home, say Israel Adesanya against Sean Strickland, 
I don't care how many undercard fights you won. Your, your bankroll is probably going to get screwed up if you're laying four or $5 price tag. So if you do like a big favorite, I always say find a dance partner with it. Mm. So that still, whatever your, if it's $10, or $100, whatever your unit size is, that's all you're going to lose instead of four times that unit size or five times that unit size by playing that big favorite outright. If you do like a big favorite and you really want to include it, find a dance partner in a two-way or three-way three -way part way and really reduce your risk of a big upset. I love it because it's the only sport that I like to parlay big favorites. Yes. I mean, you know, we're, we got Dave on to talk MMA and the UFC card this weekend, but yesterday was a nightmare in the Uf in, in the NFL if you oh. wanted to bet big favorites, right? But with, with the fight game, it's completely different. And it brings us to this weekend. We have UFC 294. Uh, the card got kind of flipped on its head. Oh, yeah. But Dave, isn't it better? Yeah, it is. And I, everybody, I, I'm with you guys. Like, I look at it and I go, this is what Dana White does. Right. Right. And then you heard, like, Cormier, who I love, who doesn't love DC. And he tweets out, like, oh, if you guys are here when I'm here and this card's going to be even better. And then I'm like, okay, is this the sales job coming or is it actually going to be a better card? Whenever you have Alexander Volkanovsky in a card, the card's going to be better. Yeah. Because we're talking about, I don't know that there's a debate anymore of the best 145-pounder in the history of MMA, right? So you're getting him to go up and wait and fight Islam Makachev again at 155. We'll find out what Islam turns out to be when we look back on his career, like we're starting to do now with Volkanovski and certainly Kamar Usman as we look back on his career at 170. We're talking about two of the best ever at their weight classes fighting on the same card as underdogs in different weight classes. So it's kind of that theater of the absurd. And I go back to GSP when he came out of retirement and George fought Michael Bisping. Mm. He came out, won a belt, and then retired again. Like, that's what great legends can do. They don't necessarily stick around at these new weight classes. So I'll be fascinated to see again the second time Volk at 155 and for the first time Usman at 185. I mean, we've never seen that before. So what's that going to look like? I'm not quite sure. But for that reason alone, because it's not just... No disrespect to Paulo Costas of the world. Good fighters. These are two legendary fighters when it's all said and done that said, yeah, we'll fight the best in fish out of water weight classes for us at their primes. You don't see that every day. No, you don't. And I feel like, George, you're a good, you're a good person to have for this segment too because I feel like you're just starting to really become like obsessed with the UFC. I have to. So they're in my workplace all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. literally and, flowing and, to the and, building. And we're close friends, so I'm always talking about it too. But how do you feel as someone who's not like Dave and I, where we we watch all the fights, all the like, what's your level of excitement now with these changes to the card? I think that, you know, like you were saying earlier with Volkanovsky, like he is a fighter that when I do see him put on a show, it it's a more full package than I see with a lot of these other championship fighters. Like I believe, uh, you know, with, with Islam, he's going to, you know, find his weaknesses, but the real thing is, and I think you, you hit it right on the nose. These are two favorites that me as a layman, I see that immediately. And I'm putting that parlay in like today. And I, you know, it, it's, it's worth it. I think it's really worth it to, you know, lay the dogs here because they're legendary fighters, dude. I think Kamaru Usman at 185 sounds a lot heavier. 
Like it, it, the the punches are going to be landing like ferociously. Uh, he was already dominating on the on the on his feet for a majority of his career up until uh, he got head kicked. Mm. I mean, he's still still an overall dominant fighter. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think the people with the beards that kind of look like uh, Moe's from The Office are, are going down this week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I wonder how many people feel the way he does, though. Don't you think like that happens a lot in the UFC betting space where... When we go with the legends? Yes. Yeah, the legends are even, yes. you know, all the books will always inflate the Connor matchup because they just know people are just going to bet on Connor, Connor yeah. by default. Right? Like, I remember I shot, I was featured in this uh, sports betting documentary about the legalization of sports betting in New York when it first got passed in New Jersey and uh, pulling the curtain back. I had to simulate me going into Jersey, which is what I used to do with my friends to go and like put our bets in before wow. it got legal in New York. And it was the Poirier Connor 2. I remember, dude, Poirier was like plus 270. And I was like, that is a mistake. I think Connor wins but I have to bet Dustin. And then that's when a lot of my friends and even the fans of the show were like, what do you mean by that? Why are you still going to bet on this guy even though you know or you think the other guy's going to win? It's like, I'm betting the number there. And that was, the broken, be, that was the broken ankle to step back. That was no, the that, was, that was when he actually knocked him out. Oh, when, okay. when, when we got uh, the, oh, right. the baby face the, Connor. Right, right, right. That was the, the, the gentleman right. Connor. Yeah, yeah. and again, and, and I was out here for UFC 196 uh, that was against Nate Diaz. That was when they fought at 170 for the first time. Catchweight. Connor's still, you know, 145, 155. And now I'm going to go up and fight at 170. It was invincible Connor at that point. He was a huge betting favorite that day. And I thought, wow, like Diaz. And I didn't, I was on the wrong side because I did end up going with Connor that night. And I remember thinking, though, this is inflated for one reason. And I saw it firsthand the Irish. Yeah. They're here. They come across the pond. I'm not talking about American, you know, Irish American. I'm talking about Irish that are coming over from Dublin to support their fighter here. And they show it with their bucks. They come over and they pay and they, they're gambling and they're, part, and they're singing the songs and the whole bit. And he gets inflated. And then there was like a small Nate Diaz contingent. And they're like, oh, we're going to smoke this guy. Like they don't know who this who Nate Diaz is and the Stockton slap and everything else. And you saw it play out. I'll never forget the reaction of the Irish. They couldn't believe it. Yeah. That was his first loss in the UFC. And I was there to witness it firsthand. And they were stunned because their God, who was invincible, turned out to be very invincible. And you could see right there, that's the counter effect. And there were certain fighters like that. Ronda Rousey was to, to a degree. Holly Holm was brought in to be the Ronda Rousey stopper. But even on that night in Melbourne, you could have gotten Holly Holm five to one, six yeah. to one. She was still a massive favorite, even though the skill set shouldn't have been there for the Rousey side. It was almost like it was built into the cake because she was so popular, a la Conor McGregor. And dude, don't forget, Nate took that fight on two weeks' notice. Yeah, off the couch. Damn. Smoking weed on the beach. They were showing <laughs> highlights. It's like, oh, this guy's not going to lose to Conor, who's invincible. And it's interesting because I feel like Chamayev and Islam, Islam maybe not so much because we saw him and Volk really go at it. Right. And that kind of... Dave, do you feel like people are more welcoming of fighting Islam ever since that? Because until that fight, it was, I'm not going to take that fight. Nobody wanted Makachev. No one wanted. But now it's like there's a little bit of, uh, not a breaking point, but if you could push him to the limit, it was the first time he's in a five-round affair. Yeah. right. I know it was against Charles, but he got him out in, in, in a round and a half. But that was the first time like, oh, when we get to the 16-minute mark, 
You, you That's when you think you ain't Habib, bro. Right. No, so, the, the gas tank is different than right. Habib's gas tank, which was legendary. Right. Right. So I look at it too, and I know a lot of people go back to that first fight and they go, some people think Volk won that fight. I'm not in that camp. I thought it was a very good fight, ultra competitive. I I was in that camp that he won it, but I wasn't yelling robbery. Right. 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 Either way, it's fine. We've seen way worse. To me, it was like, all right, you saw Islam, I saw Volk. No problem. I don't think anyone's crazy for it. No, exactly. Right. And I think what it is, is we rightfully credited Volk for going up in weight against the, a guy that we thought was invincible at 55. And because he pushed him and got it to the to the bell and all five rounds, we give him more credit for that, right? Mm -hmm. Here's what I love what Makashev said this week. And he said, and I'll paraphrase, thank you for taking the fight, basically for saving the card, right? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Volk, for stepping in 10 days nose. But, I don't want to hear an excuse when I beat you this time. And it was almost like, okay, we heard it the first time, like you moved up and weighed. And, but Volk does have a built-in excuse of short notice, not a full camp. But Islam wants to throw it out there that I don't want to hear the same stuff I heard the first time around. And that's why I don't think this fight's going to the cards. I do not. I think Makachev was almost like, wow, this guy is crazy enough to come up to my weight class and fight me. I got to see what he has. Now he knows what he has. Mm. And I'll be, I think he's going to put the gas pedal down a little bit sooner on Volk this time around because it is a short camp. And you know what happens in a short camp. Your cardio normally doesn't last. Volk is legendary cardio. We get that. But I think in Makashev's mind, he's thinking, I don't want to go four and five again because that's where it did get dicey for me. Yeah. So I'm going to look for a stronger effort out of Makashev earlier in this fight. And I think you might get some more craziness in the first 15 minutes so he doesn't have to test his cardio again in the last 10. Dude, I love where you're going with this because I feel very similar to you mm -hmm. where I don't think that it goes to the judges. No. I tend to, it's weird, right? Because whenever there is an early finish in the first affair, if there's a rematch, I feel like the guy that got knocked out or got stopped maybe plays it a little bit more possum. He's a little bit more careful and cautious, I should uh -huh. say, with his approaches. And then I'll look to decisions. Right? Whitaker uh, Adesanya. Abs First much one, different fight. Right. First one and second one, completely different fights. Where this one, I think, with the short camp, with Islam wanting to definitively put a stamp on. Absolutely. This is my division. I beat him last time anyway. I love where you're going with that. I'm looking at, I would say, my favorite bet. And we haven't really gotten all the odds here. It depends on where you're looking at. Fight doesn't go to distance at some places. Minus 150. Now, George, I think we got a we got a good That's a nice there. one. I and do like root, that. Play and we a just lot. root that's, for violence. That's right? it. Isn't you don't have to pick a winner. Yeah, just violence, <laughs> violence, and violence. I see, but that was like one of my favorite things to parlay. Like when I'm feeling just really chasey on a Saturday, is just like fight will go the distance, and it's the most agonizing thing to watch. It's like betting unders. Yes, you know it, it's it, the worst. You're but, rooting for the passage of time, George. Here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing, boys. <laughs> All right, I mean, you guys got to look past it a little bit, and you know that after they survive that first like knockdown and that wobble, if you're like, hold on, motherfucker, that is more fun to cheer for than hope. Hoping a dude knock somebody out. I'm telling you. Do you to gotta, survive? To survive. You're like, you're don't like, give up on, your back. It's a turtle up. It's like watching those nature documentaries and you're just like seeing the crocodile and the jaguar go out of it. You're like, oh, I want him to get out of there, you know? It's fun to bet for. Um, but minus 150, yeah, the book's telling you. The book's telling you this is going to end early. I'm looking back at the stats for the, their last fight. Mm -hmm. Wow. He damn near doubled. Volk damn near doubled his total strikes. But 
it, it leads me to believe, like, I don't believe you are a true champion if you can't defend a takedown. And he was 0 for 4 in uh, takedown defense. So, And I think the striking of Volk surprised Makachev the first time out. And it won't surprise him this time. Mm. So, to me, look, there's no Habib. Like, the, the Habib comparisons, there's only one Habib, right? But if this guy is supposed to be the reincarnate of him, then you got to be able to beat a guy that's coming up in weight. I mean, I don't care how great he is. Like, that ain't happening to Habib right. in his heyday. He's not losing to a 145er. I don't mm -hmm. care how great you are. Right. So I think Islam's heard that this whole time. And so for him to accept this on short notice too, because remember, he could have said, no, no, no. If he was really concerned about losing to, to uh, Volk here, I think he says, oh, not the guy I was prepared for. Instead, he said, no, no, no. Thank you. Kept the card going. No excuses. I think he's going to go out there. There's going to be a lot of violence. And I do not see this going deep into the Abu Dhabi night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think Volk takes this fight because... They've been preparing for a rematch. So it's not a completely different puzzle that they haven't attempted to try to solve. Right. That's why I think he also takes it. And also, it's... Uh, I like what Islam said about no excuse. Yes. Right? Because there kind of is a built-in excuse. Oh, it's already there. I've yeah. already heard the narrative. Well, you know, again, Volk doesn't have a full camp. Right. And no disrespect to Ilya Taporia. But does Taporia Volkanovsky move the general public? At 45, as good as Taporia, yeah. we know him to be. He's not, you know, in wrestling parlance, he hasn't, he's not a made man. He hasn't gotten over yet, right? Right. Volk is a made man. Yeah. Islam is a made man. That resonates with people. So, you know, in gen pop, as I like to say, that's going to be like, oh, I've heard of those guys. I want to see them fight. Because again, that's as good a card on short notice that Dana and, uh, you know, Sean, they can put together in record time to have... Yeah. Two guys that are going to be that are already Hall of Famers. They're going to the Hall of Fame, Volk and Kamaru Usman, and to add those guys against two guys that I don't know is Costa a Hall of Famer? I don't think so. I don't know how much longer he's going to be in the UFC. If he can't make weight and he can't show up for fights. At some point, these guys are saying, "Yeah, my name resonates. I'll be there. I'll see you in Abu Dhabi." I tip of the cap to those guys, but doesn't mean I'm running to the window to bet them either. Yeah. Let's talk about the coming, and then we'll circle back on picks. Uh, Usman Chemaev, I feel like a couple of years ago, oh, was like the the dream fight that everyone wanted. And then, of course, when Usman gets stopped and he loses his belt, and then also Chemaev can't make one seventy because about a year ago they had the whole makeup and reshuffle of yeah. that card with him and Holland that ended up going down. Chemaev hasn't fought since then. Uh, I feel like a little bit of the aura of Chemaev has diminished. One, because he was this unstoppable force. Then when you really dive into it, you're like, you kind of beat a lot of journeymen, dude. You beat a lot of guys that, you know, they're, what are they, four and six in the UFC. The other guy is 500, right? And now you got Usman coming in on on short notice to to fill in the role. And then MMA math doesn't make sense. They both have fought Gilbert Burns. Oh, Kamaru just destroyed Gil. Destroyed. And Abu but, Dhabi. I, but I wonder how much of that was them two being former teammates and knowing one another. And then Gil, because I was I was really excited for that fight when that happened in Abu Dhabi and a couple of years ago. Gil also had, we didn't know then he was coming off coronavirus. Right. So he had some things that came out after the fight that maybe he, remember, he really gave him hell in the first five. Yeah. And then round Dropped two. Dropped him too. Right. Yeah. And, so, and then it felt like it was gone, right? Right. 
So I don't want to build in excuses for Burns. But then we did see what Burns did against Chemayev and you went, holy mackerel. And I was yeah. on the over that night, speaking mm. of surviving. Right, right. And I went, the odds makers, and I got like plus 230 for over a round and a half because Chemayev's is killer. He's going to run through Gilbert Burns. And I'm like, you, this is no respect for Gilbert Burns. And then it got to the point in the second round when, Gil, don't knock him out so fast. Like it was, <laughs> that's how much the fight flipped, right? So I look at it in a lot of respects when I'm looking at totals. It is respect for certain fighters. And I've got a ton of respect for Kamaru Usman in this spot against Chimaev. My concern is, is that, like you said, if this fight happens in 2021, look at Chimaev when he came up during COVID. That's where we, we, he was born right. in the COVID era. And he's fighting every other week, it felt like, mm -hmm. over in, in, uh, in Abu Dhabi. And you're like, this guy's a killer, yeah. this guy, right? So the legend of Chimaev kind of was born in the bubble era. And then now he's not fighting like that anymore. He's not fighting every other month. There, you know, he's taking a year off from being in there. And Usman now, his knees are shot. That's the one thing that really concerns me, right? And you know this when you're rolling around. You, you, one, you don't want to roll around with Shemayev if you can't roll right. anymore, right? So he's got great takedown defense. We know that. Kamaro, I think also the evolution of fighters, you've seen the way that all of a sudden, He's falling in love with knocking people out. Yeah. Because who knocked out Jorge Masvidal? Nobody. Until he did it. With the one of the best picture-perfect right hands you'll ever see in MMA. Oh, yeah. Right? So when you do that, and you did, you, you got Burns out of there with your right hand, you start to fall in love with that. That's not what he does best. He's good at it. Mm -hmm. Right? And then you fight a guy like Colby Covington, you wire his jaw shut. And that was, you know, two of the most decorated wrestlers. They fight a stand-up fight. Right. right. So you get these weird things in MMA all the time. My worry is now Usman going up to 85, where Chimaev's like, thank God I don't have to cut weight. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So now you get a real monster at 85 against a blown up 170. I mean, who doesn't love Kamaro's heart? But if you're going to fight a stand up fight with this guy for three rounds, I don't know that it's going to end very well. That's my concern for Usman on what feels like a you put us over in so many cards and defended your title so many times. And to me, the best 170, this side of George St. Pierre, we're going to give you one more shot to go out in a blaze of glory. And, and Usman's like, yeah, hell yeah. Give me that shot. I'll, I'll be there and I'll, I'll do whatever the company needs. But the days of the great Kamaru Usman, I hope I'm wrong, mm. but I think they're, they're behind us. Yeah, it's hard to argue against that, man. Especially after, I didn't like that they rebooked that Leon fight so quickly. I know it was August to March, but still, I just and, felt and like that England. was in Eng England too. Yeah, I mean they rewarded Edwards for being the champion, which makes sense. But Chamayev, I kind of like Usman in this fight, dude. Really? Unless he's completely fried, which could be the case. That's and I, my worry. I, and I don't say that to give myself an out and be like, "Well, I told you, you might be." It's like, no, I, I really think like Usman right now. I'm looking at the odds right here. You get what, plus 230 somewhere there? Plus 225. Yep. Man. Are any of the decisions listed? No, not yet. Okay. I know. I, George, I'm waiting for those to come out because well, that gets into the pathways of victory, right? That's Correct. what yeah, I'm yeah, thinking yeah. too. Like Usman by decision is something I'm definitely going to have on the Patreon card for sure. Because mm. I don't think he could put away Chamayev. We haven't seen Chamayev be put away also. Right. But you're telling me Usman can't control the center and with his output too and keep him at bay, stuff a takedown. Now, it is a Chamayev takedown, which we haven't seen him try to attempt. But, man, I'm looking at Usman. I think I'd feel a lot better about this, Dave, if this was a full camp. 
Oh, I would feel a lot better about it if it was five rounds too. Because if, but, he, if he had a full camp with five rounds, yeah. then I think he could be a little bit more tactical. That's, I, how, that's how I wanted to end the conversation with this co-main because is the first Usman fight since he won the title from Woodley that isn't a five-rounder. Damn. And you've seen these dudes that that's fight around. these five-round affairs for you know, three, four-year stretches, and then they get a three-round. Like Dustin Poirier is a great example. Yeah. He fought Michael Chandler. He's like, oh, I only got to do this for 15 minutes. I as to the wall. Let's do it. Yeah. And it was a bloodbath, right? So I think with Usman, that's something something that I'm going to definitely be a handicapping as we're moving closer to the fight. If those fights with Leon Edwards were three rounds, he wins both those fights. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, like, we've seen a really good version of Kamaru Usman still for 15 minutes. It's got Dicey in the Edwards fights in rounds four and five, obviously. That's where I, I wonder. So, you know, I thought maybe in a longer full camp, he could pace himself, but maybe to your point, sometimes the old guys don't want to put in 25 minutes of work anymore. And let's right. see if we can get this done in 15 or less. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stuck in my ways. Like I'm definitely going to be putting the Volk Usman <laughs> parlay in. Like, so the Volk Us Usman parlay oh boy. is four to one, five to one, maybe. I got it right here. P plus nine twenty-seven. I was going to say. Okay. Okay. Right. And then if you want to go with the two favorites, you get about, Minus 105. I added, take. I added both numbers in my head. I was like, oh, yeah, it's four to one. I didn't inflate for like, you know, the sure. math that I don't understand. I was going to say, you need to get closer to 10 to one there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it's hey, happening. Look, I, Nine I, to think, one. I think one of the dogs is going to win. That's, that's my take for this card. And we're backing legends. We're backing amazing fighters. And I think both of their opponents, you could poke holes in their game, which, you know, you could say the same for Usman, but I don't think you could poke a hole in Volk's game. No, I, I want to get there with you guys. I really do. I hate being on, because I, I love dogs. And normally I'm a dog or pass type guy. I really do like the faves here in this mm. one. And I kind of look at that two-way parlay at even money, my star five, as something I'm going to look at. The only thing that gives me pause is, is Chimaev. Because Usman really is, like, I, I just think, I think Islam is better than Volk at this weight class at 155. And I really think he took it personally. All those things he heard about. You lost that fight. You really didn't win it. It's been sticking in the back of his crawl for this this whole time. I think he was really going to go out and make a statement. Mm -hmm. I, you got to remember too, like as much as we all love Volk, like Brian Ortega, I still can't believe Ortega didn't finish him. He had him done twice. And nobody talks about Brian Ortega in the same context as we do in Alexander Volkanovsky. Right. So like he has been... He's been there to be God a couple times. It's just the greatness of Volk was somehow able to pull him out. He gets in a predicament like that against Islam, and it, he ain't popping out of that, right? He's got no neck, and that's the only thing that saved him against Ortega. But, like, I could see a situation where if all of a sudden he can't handle the hands and the gas tank starts to go in five, Islam gets him down to the ground and actually look, looks for a sub. I mean, I, I, I could see a scenario where Makachev wants to do what Habib did to Connor, and I want you to tap. I want to submit you. I don't want to knock you out. I want you to quit. That's what I really want to do. And that would, I think for Islam, that's the ultimate feather in his cap than just winning. Yeah, I agree with you in that sense because Volk, his only loss has been to Islam in the UFC. And I think having that in your cap that you stopped him, the pound for pound best fighter right now on the planet, Volk. I've always mm -hmm. said, Dave, how... You're guaranteed for him not to do some dumb shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like he's not gonna he's not gonna get Islam up against the cage and have him wobbled and then rush in 
recklessly, right? Like no. he's not, you know, he's he's the only fighter on the roster that you know for a fact is not going to do anything stupid, right? And it sounds so simple to say, but if, if so many fights are lost by just guys are just, over the weekend, right? And we'll end with this. I'm watching because I went to the Apex. Barbosa's fighting Yusuf. Yusuf, yeah. And we're in the crowd. And uh, Jamal Hill, the, the former 205 champ, he's doing better corner work for Sadiq than his corner was. But one thing I didn't agree with him, dude, in that first round, he had Barbosa out. It's done. And he's saying, uh, pace yourself. I was like, I don't know, man. Barbosa is using the cage to keep himself from collapsing. No, he- At that point, and when the fighter starts doing this, it's like, nah, man, that's where I want you to empty the tank. Now, yes. if, he's, if he's postured up and he's like this, cool. But if he's to the side, I don't like that. He's looking for you to get him out of there. This is John Kreese and Cobra Kai. Finish him. Yeah. I mean, you've got your opportunity right there. I, I, I think I had the tweet ready. Super Sadiq. Yeah. And this thing was done in five. And then, you know, Bisping is so good on these cards. And I, I know, like, a lot of people like to clown Michael Bisping. But if you really listen to him, and he said it in the second round, he said, he goes, oh, I, th- I can't do the accent, the British accent. But he's basically saying, Sadiq's window might have closed. Yeah. Like, you had your opportunity, and now you're in with a veteran who's been in there against Abid Nurmagomedov, who's been in there with the best in the world. And all of a sudden, now you're going to be in playing in his waters. That is, that's a problem. So, I, I do think if you're the Chemayevs of the world here, don't play into Usman's. These guys have been there, done that, right? Go get them out of there. Makhachev, go make this a quick night. Chimaev, don't give Usman any hope now that you're swimming in my waters at 185. You are supposed to be the bigger men in the octagon. You better go get those smaller guys out of there because the longer they hang around, you can get what Barbosa did to Sadiq Yusuf last Saturday night. Man, there's going to be a banger of a card. It was already going to be a good card, and then when those fights fell out, they put these fights together and it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. You're on both favorites? I'm on both favorites, but again, I, I am really going to look to the totals once they get posted. If you give me plus money on unders, I'll be playing those. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm sure that for the co-main, Bruce Mons probably going to be two and a half. I'll, I'll be curious to see where the juice comes out of that. But I would advise, if you can find unders, and whether it's three and a half, four and a half in the main event, I'm definitely looking to the under, rooting for violence. I'm going to want a stoppage, but if you made me pick right now, I would certainly look for uh, Islam Akhtev via sub, and I'd probably look Chamaya via KO. Wow. You know you know me with submissions. I know you can sub. <laughs> I don't even need Bluetooth for that one, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you just need a pool. I just need a pool. Dave, tell the people where they can find you before it, you Check me out, D-Ross Sports, on, on X, as the kids say. Nice. I'm on VEASAN, BetUS, on Stadium, all over the place, always talking UFC. Gents, it's great to be in studio with you guys. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tremendous. Pleasure. I'm sure we'll do this again. Yes. When, when your Cowboys aren't playing, so we can get <laughs> All right. Let's uh, go ahead and plug the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. Big shout outs to the members. We're at 81 members. Remember, we're giving away sneakers, two we pairs are. of sneakers, Griffies. Griffies for the month of October. We got Mahul Patel, Abel Resin, Ben Coatsy, and Christopher Velasquez, Derek Plates, Dylan Chadwick, Jerry Shapiro, Jordan Riley, Mike Stevens, Mike Wozniak, Nick Crummich, and Thomas Robinson. It's patreon.com slash veterans minimum. As you see here, if you're watching this live on YouTube or if you're watching back on YouTube, all the tiers are there. We got access to the Discord. $5 a month, you get access to the Discord. You get all the betting picks. It's the best sports betting package on the planet. It's about, I think, George, 16 cents a day. To change Nick's life forever. Yeah. I mean, dude, you know what I would do for $5 a month? Oh, my God. I mean, come on now. You see some what some people do for a dollar a month. Whew. Come on now. Come on it's now. We got a $10 tier. Be. We got a $20 tier. We got discounts. We got the whole nine. And yeah, merch, shout outs, everything. Everything, man. So patreon.com slash veterans minimum. Check it out. Support the show. And once again, big shout outs to our guy, Dave Ross, as he signs out. And now it's just me and my guy, George, Mr. George Carmona. George, yes. what's good, bro? Nick, a lot of things are good. Life is good. It's uh it's another Monday. I was I was running late today, dude. I just I was like uh in between uploading something. You ever like up started to upload something and then you know that like you have to leave and then you're like, oh, the upload isn't gonna finish in time. And then I ended up just canceling it. And I made it here in time. Like there there was no not too big of a delay. Isaiah, our man back there, was ready to 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 frame me up. Let's go. He may have thought I forgot his name. But he's like, are you into uh, the Bible? And I was like, oh, you're Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah's a little rattled because his birds lost yesterday. He's an Eagles fan. And, Ooh. you know, it couldn't, it couldn't happen to a better team. Let's start off there, man. Let's start off there. What do you think about that game? Oh, my goodness, man. Rough, rough week for the public, number one, yep. betting, betting standpoint. Mm -hmm. Rough week for big favorites. The public loves overs just traditionally, sports betting. You don't want to bet an under, right? That means that you don't want points to be scored. Who wants to see a game that's 17-10? I look forward to finding that 36-point over-under, like how we got in the 49ers game yesterday. And I was like, the 49ers are going to do this on their own. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? This is yeah. legitimately free. And then, no. Then uh, it's not, right? You so, know what it, so, so check yeah. this out real quick. Yeah. Totals over or under, 3-11 and 11 to the over. Wow. These sports books... One sports book in particular said, this was the best NFL Sunday we've had in five years. You had Makes the sense. 49ers not covered, getting 90% of the tickets. And I mean, the boy kind of gave you guys the theory. You did. The talk of the town theory. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking sharp today. Just got to say that video got over 200,000 views on the TikTok. <laughs> we're just out here, bro. Numbies. Viral boys. It did numbies. So they were getting 90% of the bets. Wow. The Eagles were in every teaser, every eliminator pool pick, everything less than a, a touchdown favorite they were on the road. Right. You had the Bills not covering against the 
worthless giants, and they were, and we'll get to them in a little bit, but I'm just talking about how a lot of the sports books did really well in week six, and it was something that we warned people about, that the public has been hammering. And look, Miami goes down 14 nothing, and then they cover comfortably, right? Yes. But again, it's very important to remember that when the public has a good week or two, it's going to hit them hard. And that's what happened yesterday. I know we went off on a tangent, but Eagles-Jets. Eagles-Jets. Tell me what was going through your mind. What was going through my mind is uh, Zach Wilson is, you know, for all, all jokes aside, it's kind of amazing that this young man, like, has put together a, a season in which Three wins at the as soon as Aaron Rodgers got hurt, I was like, they will have the worst record in the league. And now he's he's putting them in positions to just remain, you know, relevant. You definitely need that Jets defense to shine. I think CJ Mosley is honestly one of the best linebackers I've ever seen play the game of football. The way that he was uh, you know, anticipating what the Eagles had coming. I'm uh I'm happy that the 49ers and the Eagles lost because I think that it's a, it's a pressure and a weight that makes it hard for me to bet them later on in the season. You know what I mean? Because you're like, damn, all right, they're, they're coming in here with this eight and no record. Is this the week? And it's always against the teams that you least expect it. I, uh, you know, I'm, I know you're not big into horoscopes, but Nick, we had a lunar eclipse. We had a Friday the 13th. And we had the two five and O teams lose. Did your horoscopes not tell you that? Not one bit, bro. The signs were there. Damn, the signs were there. Friday the thirteenth. That's first sign. Red flag. Bad, bad bets. Dogs. Right. The Colorado loses. Whoa. Over the weekend, right on Friday the thirteenth, and then just started the trickle down effect, and then the moon goes in front of the sun, and the Eagles forget how to play football. So you're saying I would have had a better week. Mm-hmm. If I listen to my horoscopes. There's certain times of the year where you do have to get in tune with it. Were you in tune with them? No. Because right, no. I was going to say, if you were in tune and you didn't tell me, I'd be offended. No, I know. And trust me, that's why I'm, bring, <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable bringing it up now because, dude, we're trying to win money here. Yeah. All right. Are. Like, fuck. Friday the 13th lunar eclipse. How are we not thinking dogs? Dude. The Jets. <laughs> as a dog. Cover yet another game as a big dog. And this one, they went out right. Yeah. Bro, their defense, dude. Their defense. I was making the same case. The, the Jets remind me of a better version of the Denver Broncos last year. Now, hear me out. I felt as if last year, Denver's defense was the best in the league. When you factor in how well they were playing and how shitty that offense was, three and out, they're on the field 38 minutes a game. You're like, holy shit, bro. We just got to stop. We can't even get some Gatorade going. We got to go right, right back on the field because Russ went three and out or he threw an interception. The Jets defense is like that now. And I think it's even better because they have all pros everywhere on the field. The Williams boys. Yeah. You got Mosley. I mean, we know about the DBs also. But Sauce was out. Sauce was out. DJ Reader was out too. And and look, when you're looking at it, it shows and AJ Brown goes absolutely bananas again. But their defense, man, and there's a cool clip that the Jets posted that when Jalen Hurts throws the interception, the roar of the stadium from MetLife. It's like, yo, you know what, dude? I know they're a punching bag a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Jets fans are super passionate. Like they're 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 irrational. They're definitely irrational. Like a lot of New York fans are. Yeah. For the most part, they're pretty like Knicks fans are are the worst. A hundred percent. And I'm a Knicks fan. Uh, Yankee fans are forget it. That's just that's <laughs> unbelievable. But the Jets, their defense. It's it's got to be the best defense in the league. When you take all things into consideration, I think it's them. You uh, ha, do you know the stat about the Browns' defense so far this year? With the yardage, right? Yeah, yeah. They have let up. God, you're right about the Browns. Two hundred yards a game. This hasn't been done in fifty years through the first five games. Two hundred yards. It's, but here's the thing: there's lots of good defenses in this league. The Saints are in the same equation. Right, and even though, and I know we'll touch on the, the the Saints later on. There's a lot of teams with bad offenses once again, and their defenses are shining. And not only that, but Nick defenses are legitimately winning games now. I feel like this year we were kind of talking about it about the defenses scoring the first touchdown mm. and possibly investigating into that. But like, it just seems like defense is scoring a lot this year. It's not just turning the ball over. And letting the offense do it. I've been seeing crazy amounts of pick sixes. And that one at the end was really bad. Dude. It was a bad one. Yeah. And you want to hear something crazy about the Jets defense? It's from football perspective on Twitter. They've allowed one touchdown and 31 total points in the second half of every single game this year. Whoa. Three against Buffalo. 12 against Dallas. Five against New England, three against Kansas City. Those are all field goals, by the way. And zero against the Eagles. Zero against the Eagles. And they gave up a touchdown and two-point conversion against the Broncos. Their defense has been lights out. And usually you could tell that a coaching staff is really good. How are you in second half of games? Last year, the New York Giants were getting all this praise because of Kafka, Martindale, and... uh and uh, Brian Dayball, how much improved the team would come out in the second half. Right. Right? Like, it used to be the old Belichick shit. Mm -hmm. Belichick in the second half uh, to cross over to another sport, the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs in the second halves. Like, that third quarter was always money. And this defense, man, has been lights out. And I think you definitely got to give them their roses. And look, man, Aaron Rodgers is... People are blown away that he's even walking without crutches and he's over there just, I know he's just standing there and look, no one loves the cameras and the attention more than Aaron Rodgers. Oh, 100%. But for him to even be doing that, it's like, dude, if anyone can come back quicker from this injury, it would take a stubborn SOB like him to do it. Yeah, because the clock is running out. He knows it. He yeah. knows He knows they... It, the clock is not in his favor and that he's got to be back like Adrian Peterson off an ACL injury, like six months. And, you know, it doesn't get him back for the season. It, it sucks. It, it just won't happen unless Zach Wilson takes him to the Super Bowl. And then who do you start? Zach Wilson, who just led the Jets to the Super Bowl for the first time in like a fucking eternity or Aaron <laughs> Rodgers? Oh, man, that's a hell of a question, bro. What do you think? Aaron Rodgers. Like, are you... Uh, you think you still will go Aaron Rodgers after not playing all this time? Yeah, bro. Because like, I know I was hyping up Zach Wilson, putting him in winning positions. I didn't even fucking score a touchdown to the last minute 46 of the game yesterday. Bro, listen. Field goal central. Do you want to, if you're, yo, Zach, you want to put the team in position? Don't throw picks. He didn't throw one yesterday. 
That's what happens. That's what happens. You can get it to the 40-yard line, 35-yard line. And yo, you know what, man? Look, he's he's an easy target to pick on. But then when you watch like Mac Jones. Oh, my God. Like when you watch Mac Jones, who (laughs) Mac Jones has not covered. He's lost 13 straight games outright as an underdog. And hasn't covered in 13 straight games as an underdog. Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, same class. I've made fun of both of those guys. My friend Impy, who used to come on the show back when I was home. He loved both of them. It was his favorite quarterbacks coming out. Zach Wilson, bro, at least has made a good amount of throws in his career where you're like, oh, I get it why he was number two overall. Mm-hmm. Matt Jones hasn't made any. No. <laughs> like ever. No. He's I, never made a throw where you're like, holy shit, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like Zach, yesterday, he aired that out to Garrett Wilson up the sideline. Like, that was a dime, bro. Wilson went up there and made a hell of a play too, but. Right. That was a beautiful throw that he made. Do you know that it's just because like Mac Jones got like Brady's leftovers? Like Brady didn't really want to teach him that much. And it was just, he didn't get that like Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers actually may have been teaching Zach Wilson like all his techniques during the offseason just like as like a joke. Like, you know, hey kid, you know. You're not going to play at all, bro. Not only that, but like you probably can't do the shit I do. I've won four fucking MVP awards. It's like, yeah. come on, bro. You're, you went to BYU. Like, it's not happening. Um, but now when you see him, like, playing quarterback, Zach Wilson, I'm talking about, he kind of has that flair. Like, he, he mimics Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers mimicked Brett Favre. So is Zach Wilson really just Brett Favre? Yo, Zach Wilson, when they let him sling, it actually doesn't look that bad. Right? But I'm talking about let him just go out there. Even if, yo, first read, whatever. Like on first reads, he's really good. It's when he got to make progressions. Yeah, yeah. Where you're like, oh, I don't know about all that. (laughs) But then it's crazy to see a guy like CJ Stroud. He threw one touchdown where he's looking this way, looked all the way that way, and then came back over the middle. Like, damn, bro, this is your your what your sixth game you're starting. Yeah, and they go and they beat your team. We have no. No sense of offense. And Nick, I, I've said this on every show I've been on since watching this game. I am purchasing the all 22 angle from NFL wherever. I haven't even looked it up yet. I will be buying the all 22. I'm coming back with a detailed report next Monday. Let's do as it. As to why the fuck do we always check the ball down? Are we running shitty routes? Bro. Is Derek Carr not confident in people being open? But it just seems like every time I watch the Saints play, we are dumping it off to Alvin Kamara. On important downs. He did it one time. It was like fourth and three. Michael Thomas runs a fucking curl to the sticks like how we would always do in high school. Okay, that's that's Pop Warner shit even. And Derek Carr throws it fucking east-west. Instead of throwing it north-south, he throws it east-west and we don't get a first down. So I will be doing a detailed report. I, I'm a little disappointed. Is 13-4 still a possibility? Mm. Of course it is. Analytically speaking, it's available, right? Because we haven't lost more than four games. It's, look, it's not looking good. It's but looking we can good. still make the playoffs. Yeah, because the division is garbage. Pretty bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. And you said analytics. Oh. And I've been waiting for this. Oh, the, the laptop's down. This the is, laptop this, is down. This shit's memorized. Yeah, I've been, I've been pretty good <laughs> with these lately, bro. You have. I like it. I like these it. These have been, you know, the wrestling fan to me, a little promo action. Let me tell you, bro. Let me tell you something, brother. All right, here's the thing. And this was this was me being super genuine when I put this video up. 
football Twitter, football analytics, uh, football nerds guy, whatever it is. When you hear announcers say, the analytics tell us to go for it, George, on fourth and two. The analytics tell us to kick a field goal here, to cut it to five. The analytics tell us to go for the two-point conversion on the first touchdown, not the second. My question, and I didn't know the answer. I still don't know the answer, if I'm being honest with you. Do the analytics factor in that your quarterback blows? <laughs> because, bro, listen, man, if I have, if I'm going for two, in that scenario, like what, what Atlanta did, and then the Patriots did it also, they went for two. If I got Mahomes, I got Burrow, I got Herbert. If Dak is on fire that game and he's like 21 of 27 and he got three touchdowns, Jalen Hurts, you're on fire. Like, do the analytics account for that? Because right. why are you telling me to go for it? The analytics are telling me to go for it. But Desmond Ritter is my quarterback. That dude... Dare I say should be investigated for point shaving. <laughs> because, bro, God what that damn, was Nick. in the second, that second, clip. <laughs> that second half was outrageous. He got three possessions in the fourth quarter. Bro, if you went to use the bathroom or if you went out for lunch and came back at any moment during that fourth quarter, Ooh. every drive looked the same. I couldn't, my buddy Josh, my best friend, one of my best friends back home, he's a Washington fan. He's like, bro, we're doing, we're gift wrapping them here. Here, take this game from us. And Riddle was just like, nope. Bink. Nope. So genuine oh. question. I mean this sincerely. And I don't know. And I'm open to opinions and facts. Like, uh, I'm not someone that's married to my opinions and my ideas. Do the analytics factor in that my quarterback is Justin Herbert and Pat Mahomes and not a trash can at quarterback? I think soon, yes, Nick. Like, okay, here's here's where analytics will go like stupid, like in the sense of your life will be metadated out to like how much sleep you got, you right. know, all the amount of food, your your heart rate. Like you you'll they'll all be tied in eventually for you to like pretty much guarantee the outcome. But I'm talking like that's in like 60 years, probably, right? When we're already like half robots. Does it factor in? No, it doesn't factor in. And it's such a fucking cop-out for these coaches in these, you know, I even hate when the announcers do it because it's like, what, who's telling you this, Greg Olson? You know, like, is, are you, are you looking at a computer in front of you right now? Is like, is that how you're able to tell that the analytics are telling you to go for it? Is there somebody hired by CBS or Fox that's in a cart that's like telling, hey, yeah, Greg Olson, this is a 52% chance uh, of success rate if they go for it right now. Say that. You know, where's this coming from? It has to be something like that. But this We're, has always been this has always been my take, dude. And people that have been listening to the show for for as long as it's been around, if if you're in a playoff game and sorry, not a playoff game, you're you're marching down the field, right? This was before they made the changes to the playoffs. So like now it doesn't a, a apply as much, but Aaron Rodgers gets shit for losing in the playoffs. Before times, he led the game to overtime. Like, he's the reason the game went to overtime. And then he didn't touch the ball again. Right. That's a playoff loss for Aaron Rodgers. My thinking was always, bro, when I score that touchdown to make it 27-28, why not go for it there to win the game? 
Coaches, instead of kicking a field goal, and again, I'm saying this now, the rules have changed. Now you have a rebuttal in overtime. You get the ball first, your team, George? A somewhat rebuttal. Let's not fucking act like, you know, I I, I still think that both teams should play, or I think it should be the full quarter. Like, No, I think that's great. I think how they have it now is perfect. You get a possession. If you go down and you score a touchdown, the other team, now this is only in the playoffs. It's not the regular season. You get a chance to answer. And then after that, sudden death. It's like, but that's the way it should be season long. In my opinion. Because if not, then it's the same rule. You go down, you score a touchdown, it's over. Yeah. I see what you're saying. But I, I, I do like it. You Thank you for reminding me that that's what they did for the playoffs because that happened uh, not too long ago. Well, it happened with the, with the Chiefs and Bills and that kind of, mm-hmm. it always takes a big moment where everyone's watching and a big, just, you know, it was an AFC divisional game. One of the greatest games ever. And people are going to remember it for Kansas City winning the coin toss. And then they go down there and they score a touchdown to Kelsey. I believe it was Kelsey. It just seems right that it was Kelsey probably. But I don't know, man. It's weird. Like these analytics, they're, look, there, there's some analytics that I really, really enjoy. Like the one that we keep talking about because you love Jameis Winston. Like there's a football analytic that I don't know the exact proper name of it, but it basically just tells you how aggressive is your quarterback throwing for first downs. So when it's third and eight, is he airing the ball past the first down marker? Or is it the Eli Manning, Derek Carr special where it's, oh, where's my running back in the flat? Let me just dumb it down. Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. So those are some dope analytics. Yes, yes. But then when when I'm reading PFF and they're telling me that James White in 2018 was the best running back in the league and Tom Gurley was going fucking bananas every week. It's like, bro, come on, what are we doing? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the analytics are important, but these analytics is crazy, man. And Desmond Ritter, I apologize. I'm sure you're a nice guy. I'm sorry that you're the the butt of this joke, but I think that needs to like, I'm tired about hearing the analytics, bro. Like if I have Pat Mahomes, yeah, I'll, I'll go for it on fourth and four. Yeah. Put the field, put five receivers out and go for it. But if I have Daniel Jones, I'm probably not. Yeah. If I have Zach Wilson, I'm probably not. So that was my question, and I didn't know the answer. And people have chimed in. Shout out to everyone that DM'd me about it. And they're like, it's it's more so. The overarching theme was it's more so of a, you know, there's anytime there's 730 in the fourth quarter left and you're down 14, this is, the analytics are always a generalization of the whole thing. It's not a case by case. Right, right. And that's why we pay these coaches millions of dollars to not read a spreadsheet and kind of just make decisions because they've watched thousands, tens of thousands of football games. You would assume. You would assume. You would assume. Nepotism. How do you feel about what happened to... All right, how about this? I got a question. Better question. Yes. The Niners and Eagles losing on the same day, no no one's undefeated anymore. The consensus, two best teams in the NFC coming into the year and then what we've seen so far. Of the two, who are you more concerned about? Concerned about like in a they won't perform way or like... Just concerned. Like this is a team that... It's... The, the loss exposed some things. Because I think both teams kind of got exposed a little bit. Yes, and that's what I was about to bring up. The bigger chink in the armor though is with the 49ers. Because they're really just, and we've brought it up before, but the star-heavy roster, although it looks appealing and you'll win every guy off or dude off in any conversation, when they go down, there is zero hope 
from not only the the fan base, but you also feel it from the team. Like that's why whenever you have a team filled with like a whole bunch of ragtag like studs, like uh the the Dolphins, for example. Like they although there is Tyreek Hill, you got Jalen Waddle, you got Devon A. Chain, Raheem Mostert's going off. There's a whole bunch of different pieces that it's at different positions too, right? Like, you know, you have the backup that is also performing. The 49ers, man, when they don't have Christian McCaffrey, it's just him. Like, honestly, Debo could be out. They'll be fine. George Kittle could be out. They'll be fine. Brock Purdy could be out. They'll be fine. Christian McCaffrey is the linchpin. And when he went out of that game yesterday, there was a noticeable, holy shit, like, uh, we need Brock Purdy to throw this ball now. Like, this is uh, an issue. You know what I think made me very happy yesterday? Not only did I paint the picture for them potentially losing in that video, mm. I think yesterday established that of the two guys on that team, McCaffrey's the MVP. 100%. Like, yeah, Purdy was cool, but it's like, nah, that's, that's the engine yes. behind everything over there. And it makes a lot of sense. And when you were watching that, that was my big takeaway too. Because I feel as if he is, look, let's not forget, they jumped out to the lead. Mm -hmm. And you could still run your offense. Like, yeah, the, the thing I'll push back on you that I didn't like that you said was, you know, Purdy throwing from behind. It's still a one possession game. Like, oh, I still want to see him down 17 nothing. Correct. Let me see you then, mm -hmm. right? Like Justin Herbert, Pat Mahomes, Burrow, they're down 17 nothing. Yeah, they could throw from behind. When the other team knows that you're going to throw the ball and you can still put up big numbers, yeah, that's dope. I fuck with that. That's what I want my quarterbacks to do. But with Purdy, that was what was so alarming. But you hinted at it before, man. This Browns defense is uh, it's everything that people thought it would be going into this year. Do you have the, the numbers in front of you? Uh, or what you were talking about? I do. I have it memorized. Okay. They've allowed 1,000... 250 yards so far, or 1,050 yards this season. That averages out to only allowing 200 yards a game. This hasn't been done in 50 years. So, and they're not just doing it against like all right teams. No, nah, they're doing it against some juggernauts, bro. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think the one thing that I didn't expect going into the season and it, it's on me because I've seen him be a game wrecker since he came into the league. Can we stop? Miles Garrett's the best pass rusher in the league. Think about it in the sense of he can also stop the run really well. When I think of like a, a TJ Watt or I think of like a Bosa brother, I'm like, they're amazing at getting the quarterback. But when I see Miles Garrett, I'm like, this dude is all around, everywhere, a problem. They lined them up at linebacker a couple of times yesterday, like doing the crossover. The crossover, walk, yeah. Walking that's in, thing I now. was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Is, I know it, it's tough to just establish the best, but he was not even brought up in conversations. No, I don't know about that. I feel like we, I mean, we've been bringing him up in combos about how it's him, Bosa, Watt, and uh, it's all recency bias bro. and Parsons, excuse me, correct. But then think about who's leading the league in sacks this year. Do you know? No, Josh Allen for the Jaguars. Wow. He's had two three sack games. Nobody talks about him. Yeah, yeah. Hassan Reddick, the year, year previous. Yeah, yeah. Nobody talks about him. 
It's weird, bro. Yeah, it is. It is. No, you're bringing up a good point. There's a man. lot of good ones. Right. Um, but I just think like overall caliber and what he means to a defense, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, they're worth points. Yeah, and if you're looking at this, bro, like they shut down the Bengals, fully healthy Bengals. They played the Steelers on the road, which they shut them down. The Steelers just scored two defensive touchdowns that game. The the Titans game was a wacky one, but they they shut them down, right? Like, mm-hmm. all right, the Titans aren't a juggernaut offense, but you held them to three points. Then you played the Ravens, and I feel like you played really well against the Ravens, even though you lost 28 to three. That's also because Dorian Thompson was stepping in and on like throwing three hours ducks, notice. Bro. Apparently, he didn't know he was playing. And then it's like, oh, when I watched the game, I could tell that he didn't know that he was playing after watching. He looks kind of really nervous right yeah. now. And then they played the Niners yesterday. I would say, though, bro, like there was something else that we've been hinting about for a couple of weeks now. And it's, you know, Philly's 5-0, and but they don't really look that good. And if you look at their games, a lot of one-score games that they won, you could make a case that they could have been 1-4 going into this week. Instead, they're 5-0. and Right. And it just feels as if they're not clicking on all cylinders. But again, that's... If you're a Philly fan, if you're a Philly backer in the futures market or you've put bets on them, you're feeling better about this because they have been playing shitty and they're still 5-1. and one. It's They're winning teams. Right. The Chiefs do the same thing where you're like, can you just handle business like soundly and make me not like have to question this late into the game? Right. But they win. So and do you so think, do you think it's something where you used to see New England do this? Uh, used to see, who else used to do this? Like those like LOB Seahawks teams mm-hmm. where they just get by against lesser opponents. And then they'd get that, you know, Kaepernick and the Niners are coming to play us. All right, let's, y'all must have forgot. Right. 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 Pats are playing the Colts or they're playing Kansas City. Oh, you're, you're playing this team that's getting the hype now? The yeah. Rex Ryan. And then it's like 43 nothing. Oh, y'all must have forgot. Yep. And I wonder if Philly, that could be, that could be the case. Philly, Kansas City, you know, I, I'm pretty sure they play each other later this year because uh, there is a Super Bowl rematch. I'd have to check. Yes, but this, that's yeah. something where, you know, this weekend is a good example. Oh, it's such a good weekend, Nick. Philly, Philly plays Miami. Yes, Sunday night football. It's, that could be something where Philly is like, "Yo, let's show you guys. We haven't been playing that well, but hey, man, it's time to remind you guys why we went to the Super Bowl and why we're a Super Bowl favorite." Yep. And I think uh, it, it's a real wake up call. Like, I won't be able to answer that question accurately going back to who who should you be more concerned about until this next week. Because the 49ers play a buzzsaw too. Am I, am I not mistaken? No. Oh, they play at Minnesota. Never mind. This is a tune-up game for them. Week 11, week 11, Monday Night Football, Chiefs-Eagles at Kansas City. Oh, my God. Look at this. Sheesh. Week nine, home Dallas, bye week. Eagles got at Chiefs, home Buffalo, home Niners, at Dallas, at Seattle. And then, of course, they're going to ruin my Christmas because they play the Giants at home. But, yo, that's a tough, that's a tough five-game stretch. And now that I think about it, I think we mentioned that we're doing some of the preseason stuff that there is a five-week stretch for the Eagles. It's really a six-week stretch, but they have a bye week in between. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like you play the Cowboys twice, you play the Niners, the Bills, and the Chiefs. And it's like, holy shit. So, yeah. silver lining, if you're an Eagles fan, 
you have been playing shitty, but you did. But what you're you, five and one. You did what you needed to do. Yeah, you did what you needed to do to this point. And maybe it is Nick. And and this this thinks deep into like the football knowledge. But every week, new packages are added in. By the end of the year, your your playbook is into the thousands of plays deep. Mm. When you're in the NFL, it's a, it's a game of attrition. Sariani can't show the entire package just yet. And so you're you're also you're going to see like the Eagles do a lot of different types of formations and plays in the coming weeks, but so is everybody else. You know, this is like that second chapter of the the NFL season where coaches start going a little deeper. I mean, Sean Payton literally had his script taken a a photo taken of it. Do you remember seeing that on Thursday night football last week? Yeah. Wild. And they need all the help they could get. So that was not good. Don't do that to the Broncos. Please. They're they're struggling. That's not cool. Uh, Is there anything else from week six that you'd want to address or talk about? (sighs) I I feel, let me, uh, let me gather my thoughts here. Let me gather my thoughts because I, I already had my little, my saints rant, uh, the Buccaneers defense, all right, staying in the NFC South. Because it really, to me, it's a it's a two-way race. It's the Saints and the Bucks. Desmond Ritter should be examined for point shaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, that, was, that was a rough look. The Buccaneers defense is, is so good, and you're able to tell that because I think the Lions have one of the better offenses in the league, and they held them to 20 points. You saw who scored a touchdown this week? Amra. No, our boy. He's one of us. Jameson oh Williams. my god! I was like, one of us. He's one of us, right? He's a he really is. I I made sure in fantasy to pick him up off the waiver wires as soon as the notification came across that ESPN notification. I never do this. Like I take fantasy serious for thirty minutes every three weeks, and I, as soon as I saw that, bink, bro. Listen, it. people don't like talking like hearing about other people's fantasy team. I feel like I feel like everyone just cares about their fantasy team. Yeah, I'm in two leagues. I'm 11 and 1. I am, bro, when God I tell damn, you, bro, I am beating the shit out of people. Wow. I have four straight 100 point wins. That's, um, yeah. Are the other people alive? Are yeah, you, yeah. You, like, they're, I mean, are like, they as shocked as you are? Listen, one of it is with my jujitsu, bro. So maybe like football ain't their thing, but I am just, I'm showing them my black belt. <laughs> That's what's happening there. It's like, hey, 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 you don't know shit about this. Levels. Levels. So every time I see them at the gym, I go like this. I'm like, yo, send over the Venmo. Ah, Nick, I do realize what I wanted to talk to you about now. It's the it's the referees. Should we be blaming referees anymore? No, nah, nah, I this? think I think that is nothing frustrates me more than blaming referees or judges. I'm of the camp that, and I used to tell my friends this when we would play football, like on Sundays. Yeah, we know these referees suck. We know they're going to miss terrible calls. Let's put the game out of picture and don't let that call ruin anything. So if we score every single time we have the ball or if we don't do anything dumb, we don't need to worry about that last play. Ah, shit, they didn't call P.I. where George got mugged in the back of the end zone. Yeah. And that's how I feel that you're probably talking about my Giants. A hundred percent. Okay. Dumb. It's dumb. You lost the game if you're the Giants at halftime. When you run that play, you don't kick the field goal there. Brian Dable flipped out. And, and Brian Dable has had a lot of just outbreaks 
where he kind of just looks like he's about to just slaughter someone on the field or a coach or a player. He gets so red, dude, like oh, a little cherry tomato. Yeah, dude, he just loses his mind. And I think yesterday was the maddest he got because he knows it's such a big difference, bro. And you've played football and anyone that watches or knows football, the difference between being down one possession and two is massive, especially when that was like a kitchen sink game for the Giants, right? Yeah. It was Brian Dable's return to Buffalo. Kind of saw him know that's the best the defense has played. That's the best game the Giants have played. Dude, no, they looked like they were getting pressure all night and Josh Allen got hurt. Uh, shocker. And then and then Josh Allen also, it seemed like Dayball must have told him like, yo, he loves doing this. You know how I know that? Because he was really good when I was there. <laughs> so I know his tendencies. And that's what I think you were seeing yesterday with the Giants. And it was so frustrating because you know you're limited offensively because of what you have, right? The offensive line is just shitty. I love Justin Pugh is like straight off the couch. It's like, yeah, we could tell, bro. Dude, I saw your tweet. I... Busted up laughing. Yeah. I was, I was like, did you see my tweet about the the story I have from his draft day? I feel like you've told me this before. Right? I might have. Let me get an ISO cam on this one. Putting the laptop down. All right, 2013, his draft class. Mm -hmm. The NFL draft was at Radio City. I actually have a video of me at on NFL Network. I'm like this. I'm like, oh shit, I'm on TV because NFL Network. If you were a fan of the team, they had this like path that led all the way down to the center of Radio City. And they're like, hey, George, you're a Saints fan. You guys are Saints fans. When the Saints have their pick, you guys are more than welcome to stay there for the selection. We'll get you on camera, yada, yada. So the Giants are picking. Mm -hmm. I'm over there. I'm on TV. I'm like, oh, shit. It's the boy. I'm looking 3X. I'm like a good 245 <laughs> over there. Nice. The Giants are like Justin Pugh. And I go, fuck. There's a lady next to me. She goes, why are you so upset? You don't like, you don't like Justin Pugh? I go, I just feel like we could have gotten him in the fourth round. Do you know who the lady was? I believe you told me this was Justin Pugh's mother. It was his mother. And I was like, hey, congratulations. We could have got him in day two. <laughs> Dude, you know what? You know what you could have done there in that moment? You know, if you, if you would have interacted with her, you could have had the insider info. Yeah. Because if you would have been like, because how did she know to be right there? You know what I mean? Yeah. She was in the in the section with you. She's like, oh, my boy's going to get drafted by the Giants. And then I just, this asshole right here. What was that? What was it? was 22 then. <sighs> I was hammered. I was like, yeah, I feel like we could have got him in the second round, <laughs> third mm -hmm. round. <laughs> I, I've done that. I You know what it is? When I was young, I used to get reckless, bro. Like at sporting events, telling people they sucked. And like coaches at UNLV games, I'd be yelling like hardcore. I'm like nine years old. Like telling, sit down, coach. You know, I'm like, bro, the best, the best used to be when, when like the overly aggressive parent at like sporting events and like their kid was trash. Yep. So I loved picking on that kid on the field. Yep. Like your kid is going to get worked. Your kid is definitely not going to play no matter how many times you go and talk to the coach after practice. Yeah, he's, he's not just, getting burned. He's just not getting on the field. Yeah. I can't, I will never, Dude, ever coach for people that have to, it, it's mandatory. They paid, they get to play this much. I'll never coach that. Bro, we were at a, we were at a friend's fight one time. 
and the guy who was fighting just kept throwing this like left hook. Like the whole time, he was just so like no no lead up, nothing, just so left hook. And I'm hammered in the crowd. I go, throw that shitty left hook again. And then he throws it. I was like, oh my God, I threw it again. <laughs> Is, I'm so glad you brought that up. Did That's you great, bro. Did you see my story this past weekend? I was in Albuquerque uh, for my brother's game playing New Mexico. Did you see me cause a false start penalty? With the, with the clapping? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We are, you know, the situations have to be just right for you people. But if you go to some of these sporting events, football games, especially, right? That the football team, their offense is going off a clap and it's quiet enough. If you clap loud enough right before the snap, you can cause false start penalties. You Try this out at a high school stadium because uh, New Mexico University, that's an anomaly. It's kind of crazy, Nick, to be a, a division one college football team and bring out less than a thousand people to your games. That is a rough look, yeah. It is so rough. But I caused a false start penalty because New Mexico was going off the clap and uh, me and my mom were able to time it up to one. And I shit you not, I caused two penalties and I only got one on camera. Damn. I did it all game long. I was like, this is a cheat code. We got uh, we got Joe Harris on the nets to miss two free throws once because we were in South Beach. I've told the famous South Beach story where... Yes. We had insider information that the Nets were out partying the night before. He was at the free throw line. And uh, my buddy goes, yo, how are the strippers? And he misses the first free throw. <laughs> and the second time, was like, how much 11 take you for? Because 11 is the closest. Yeah. Missed both free throws. I'm like, yo, that's the coolest shit ever. That, that works. See? It works, man. It works, bro. You got to, you, there is such thing as a home field advantage, even when you're in a weight team. Yeah. Shouts out to every Las Vegas professional <laughs> sporting team. I don't know because we we started having fun with this, but the the moral of the story for me is I, I never like blaming the referees. Correct. Correct. You? I, I look, do, it was, you know, look, listen, you, I do like to blame them, but at the end of the day, I also think you can blame them when you run plays that make you think like that should have been a penalty. So like the underthrown PIs that we've discussed before where a team is just chucking it down there, throwing it short so that, you know, the defender runs into him, shitty play. The Giants, that last play, so bad. Yeah. It was one of the worst drawn up plays I've ever seen in my entire life, ever. And you expect me to give you a fucking pass interference? As a referee, I'd be like, run a better play. Like run, you know, a quick out route or something where it's like more bang bang, and I have to, you know, think. I I don't know. I don't. I don't. I like do it. like. I do like to blame them though. Like when it when it makes sense. Uh, you know, the Saints to go to the Super Bowl type shit. But okay, but that one was like everybody knew it. That one was unanimous that that was a terrible call. Correct. That's when I like to blame the refs. There there are times in which it does lend itself. All right, you go with the public. Right. But there is that one friend that brings it up every time and you're like, shut the fuck up, dude. But like, yo, I always talk about one score games. Mm -hmm. And that play is one of the plays that I always talk about. Last year, Washington played the Giants on Sunday night football. And it was either Terry McLaurin or Dotson. Kurt, it was, uh, Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel. It was one of the receivers gets mugged. Yep. No flag. And that was literally his arms were wrapped around him. Right. I remember that play. And then this year, Waller, he do, should there have been a flag? Yeah. But 
that's the game, bro. They're going to call it sometimes and then they're not. That's just, that's just how it is. If you're going to bitch and moan about it and if you had a parlay and it got ruined because the Giants didn't win, first of all, that's your own problem for taking the Giants to win. But that's just the game, bro. They're not going to always call everything. So for me, I really enjoyed week six. Uh, I loved the games. They were fun. Um, Detroit moves to five and one. I feel like we haven't talked much about them. They're tied for the best record in the league. I just kind of want to keep it quiet. You, you want to keep it quiet? Because your Super Bowl pick. That's right. You SOB. My Super Bowl exacta that I put in at 19,001, okay? Lions to defeat the Ravens. That game is this weekend. Mm. So you're going to get a Super Bowl preview, people. Super Bowl preview this weekend when the Lions defeat the Ravens. Dang. Mm. I also don't want to, you know, you know, just spoil the riches, just like with the with the Rangers, you know. Job not finished. Job's not done. I want to give a shout out to Tristan Ratslav in the chat. He's also a member of Patreon. He said he tore his Achilles a month before Rogers, but because I'm not a millionaire, I just started walking a week before him. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you gotta do that ayahuasca, son. Dog, no, you, you need, need that. Yeah, you need some stem cell. You don't need to be a millionaire. Yeah. Also, like, you're you're limiting your your mind. Yeah. Okay, go watch a Russell Wilson hype video. Okay, limitless. That's where we got to be. Hey, let's uh, before we sign off, and I got a surprise for you. Let's do a ad read for Fly Me Out. Fly Me Out. They were in here last week. Uh, my buddy Zach is in charge of Fly Me Out, and it's getting a lot of attention. Yahoo just wrote. A hit piece on them, not not a hit piece. That's the wrong words, but like, yeah. they just wrote up about them. But a listeners, publicity piece. yeah, listeners, do you ever feel the urge to break away and discover the world like a with a like minded tribe? Let me introduce you to Fly Me Out, the premier social travel club. Imagine if LinkedIn, Airbnb, and Raya had a travel loving baby. Whether you're looking to network with professionals on a beach or bond with creatives in the heart of a city, Fly Me Out has got you covered. Dive into curated experiences, and with their platform, it's never been easier to find your tribe and see your globe. See the globe. Damn, I ruined the ad read, bro. See your globe, too. See my globe, too. Don't just travel. Make memories with Fly Me Out. Use code VM1 for expedited application review. And shout out to my guy, Zach, and shout out to Fly Me Out. Uh, before we go, I have a surprise for George. If we could put the sky cam on and... uh Isaiah, if you could come in here, that'd be dope. Shout out to Isaiah. He's going oh, through shit. it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching this on YouTube, he's going through it because his Eagles lost yesterday. But uh, thank you, man. This is Isaiah, everybody. The Isaiah is in the building. Tough loss. Uh, Nick is going into the bag. He, he won it on the <clears> sky cam. Um, before we do, let the people know where they could find you on social media. Find me at Mr. George Carmona, people. Do it. I was about to look back up there. I, I don't mind. Like I did that during one of your ad reads last week. That's a great angle. Yeah. I've been messing with the people on the ad reads. I don't know. You're dialed in. So I'm locked like, in, bro. Yeah, I'm like looking up there and I'm Let's like. Let's go. Let's go. Follow me at Mr. George Carmona, people. That's uh, where you can find all seven different podcasts that I'm on. Um, yeah. Nick, that's uh, that's it. At Nick Day is 10 as you can find me. All things Veterans Minimum or at Veterans Minimum. And this is for George. I know I promised him this a couple of weeks ago, but uh, oh yeah. my god, here you go, bro. Hold appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on the show, Nick. And if you could give me an ISO on George, yeah. Oh my, hold on, hold. <laughs> oh, let's go now. That's a 
That's a real man's man right there. Let's got me go. a jacket, people. Got him a jacket. Got me a and jacket. if we could, while he's putting that on, if I could get an ISO over here, we got a merchandise.veteransminimum.com. Bomber jackets are a hot selling item. We've sold a good amount of them. Patreon giveaway for September. No, it was August. Uh, we sent a couple of those out. And then, like yeah. Fucking lineman, bro. This is how my go. brother comes out like after his football games to us, like just in a jacket. Dude, you look like a 1980s <laughs> high school football movie character ladies, right now. Ladies, ladies, I'm about to come out. Like, don't worry. It, Nick, There's, they're starting to line up outside, bro. Let's go, man. Starting I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Yeah. Merchandise.veteransminimum.com. As far as I go, it's at Nick Day. It's 10 on all social media platforms. And we'll catch you guys next time. I'm a gold medalist, bronze like your medalist. So many deer in headlights, but it's bedtime. Hear that supper bell, main course, beat a venison. Dab. Most dangerous game. Either kill or be killed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.